0: Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I want to tell you who we're listening to. That was, this is Anushka Shankar, Traces of You, with her sister Nora Jones. And standing by to kick off the show, I have a very special guest. Looking forward to this one. Uh, this is writer Hendrika DeVries, and we're going to talk about her memoir, When a Toy Dog Became a Wolf and the Moon Broke Curfew. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: Thanks Han- yeah. for calling in, Hendrika.
1: Thank you, Janine, for inviting me.
0: My pleasure. Congratulations on your book. I wanted to find out how this book came about. How? When? Why you decided to write this? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Yes. It's actually okay. a book that gnawed at me nearly all my life because it is about my childhood in Nazi-occupied Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. and so I experienced a lot of events that were rather traumatic. But I went on to live a really uh, rich and, and pretty wonderful life, actually. So for a long time... The story would gnaw at me. I'd share anecdotes with people. I'm a psychotherapist, and so I would share it with colleagues, and I was also a teacher, and sometimes I'd share anecdotes with students as we were working on trauma issues. Um, But I always hesitated publishing it because my life had been good, and so many people who lived through those dark days had really suffered tremendous losses. But then in recent years, when, uh, when I saw sort of a, a resurgence of uh, hatred rhetoric yes. and uh, the diminishment of rights that we, you know, have grown uh, to sort of take for granted, really, yes. I began to feel that I had an obligation to tell my story. That's that really, you know, those of us who've seen how quickly. uh, freedom can be taken away. I think we do have a duty to tell those stories.
0: What was really intriguing to me was here you were in Nazi-occupied Amsterdam and you're learning about female empowerment uh, because your father was deported to a POW camp in Germany and your mother joined the resistance. Tell me about that.
1: Well, I was a little daddy's girl at first. I was very close to my daddy and... uh, uh, he, he actually gave me the gift of story and the magic when of story. He, he was the storyteller in the family. But when he, I was five when he was deported, and my mom joined the resistance, and she brought a Jewish girl to live with us, an older Jewish girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got used to, in those days, when, when my mother and the Jewish girl, her name was now, when we were living together the three of us i got used to the comfort and the pleasures of a female household yes. and i also began to see the strengths of of the females and something i hadn't seen when i was a little daddy's girl I remember i was born and raised at a time when the gender roles were pretty strictly enforced women stayed home became mothers and housewives That's and sure. And you know, fathers went out into the exciting world <laughs> where they did all sorts of mysterious things. So here I was in this this feminine world, and um, then what happened? We were betrayed, and my mother was uh, interrogated at gunpoint. Oh. And I she she refused to give the names of the resistance workers that she knew. She actually saved our life by doing that because. Um, really, the Gestapo was after the more important names in the resistance. How frightening. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. So I began to be witness, to personally experience the, the strength of women and other women in the neighborhood. And uh, I saw my mother interact with the men in the resistance. And that began to form a whole new image in my psyche of the possibility of what womanhood could look like. It was no longer that I could be the, the, the little princess who would marry the prince and live happily ever after. It was a very different image. And it actually turned out to be a very empowering image for me.
0: That's incredible because you, you took on this... Um role of I'm not going to be submissive, I'm going to find my strength in a time when women didn't know how to do that?
1: Well, uh, I think that's the key. I think women do know how to do that, and but because of the the culturally imposed gender restrictions, right? Um, we don't do it, yes. you know? We, yeah. <laughs> we, we're, we're obedient like little toy dogs, which is part of my title, and so... What war brings out is the wolf nature in women, I think. And it's interesting, if you look at the history of war, that's when women's strength suddenly seems to be recognized. Uh, Suddenly they're they're hired, they're used, um, and then at the end of the war it's as if we're stuffed back into the domestic scene and uh, put in a role. But I think women always have that strength. Incredible. So
0: tell me, um, here, you know, you had this Jewish girl living in your home. W- uh, what happened after the war? Did you keep in touch with her? What happened?
1: Um, with now, the, yeah. the, the older sister, she, she did come and visit us uh, several times, and that was actually... Uh, at one point, when I was working on healing my own trauma, I did revisit Amsterdam and worked with a rabbi who was also an analyst, a Jungian analyst, and the first question he asked me was, what happened to Nell? And mm. I just burst into tears, and I oh. said, she came home, she was safe. Oh. And I, th- I think that was another part of, of the, the gift, was that we were lucky. My father came home, and Nell came home. Now, oh. no, there were other people that didn't, but, you know, the people that were closest to the little girl that I was at that time, they came home safe. Um, and then we, we now came home, and we, we visited several times, but after the war, and I think this is an aspect that a lot of people overlook, war, when war ends, um, it doesn't just bring about happy times. Right. My, you know, my parents had to adjust... They'd had two years of brutal separation. My father came home with PTSD symptoms. He came home to a city where uh, quite a few of his friends had been, had been taken to the death camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a lot of business friends who were Jewish, and they never came back. So my parents had to try to recreate their marriage, or re, yeah recreate yeah. a new marriage in sure. many ways. And eventually, we, we emigrated to Australia.
0: Okay. Um, is it when you were a teenager? Or?
1: I was a teenager by then. I was 13, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, we, we moved to the outback in Australia for a year with the bush. And actually, that cured my father of his PTSD, That's being right in, well. in the open spaces of nature.
0: Sure. Nature is so healing.
1: Oh, it it was, I mean, it was not my favorite place as a 13-year-old right. girl, you can imagine. <laughs> no, not at all. But, you know, I got through the year, and it it was wonderful to see my dad. In fact, I always have this wonderful image that my dad couldn't hold a tune, and he couldn't whistle, but here he was in the bush, and suddenly he, he would walk around whistling. Oh, uh, I love it. So, so that was another, another you know, healing event that happened.
0: You must feel, this is an understatement, incredibly blessed, obviously, here you lived through this. You became so resilient. Your dad came back, which was unheard of at the time.
1: I feel so blessed, and that's actually why I hesitated writing the memoir. It always felt a little bit self-indulgent, you know, it was like, yes, Yes, those were really terrible years, but look at the wonderful life you've had. And I have been incredibly blessed. And, uh, you know, I have three three grown children. I have four grandchildren. So there is in me this, this incredible feeling of how can I talk about this childhood? But what I also learned, Janine, is that it's not just my story. It's the story of every child that experienced violence. or bigotry when they're little. You know, it's the child at the border. It's the child in the inner city. It's the child that goes to school and doesn't know if they're going to be shot at. Right. So that's part of the cover, the cover picture of my book. Originally, we were going to put my picture on there, but the publisher and I talked, and it just didn't feel right. So we put on an image. It's kind of a generic image. Um, she does have the plaids yeah. because she is, you know, in World War II. She but it, it's, it's every child, you know, every child's story. And and I lived long enough to be blessed to be able to tell the story. Well, it's a blessing
0: you wrote it, you know. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Hendrika DeVries. Um, tell me about the title, how you came up with When a Toy Dog Became a Wolf and the Moon Broke Curfew. <laughs>
1: My odd title. Well, first of all, I I have a younger daughter who is a writer, and I was struggling with the title and and saying calling it, you know, memories of Amsterdam and and other things. Like I had reflections, and she'd go, "Oh, that's so boring. That's so boring, Mom." <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, give us an event from that time. Talk about something you really experienced. And then I realized that the two big experiences were. Connected one with my dad, one with my mom, and the the toy dog becoming a wolf is connected to my father because in our stories we would ta- we would tell stories to each other, and at bedtime oh, nice. he would tell me stories about the Greek and Nordic myths that he loved, and I had a little stuffed toy dog that I always slept with. It's only about three by four inches, and uh, I would ask him. Can my toy dog change shape? Can it morph? Because all the the characters in our stories could do that, and he said, "Of course." And so um, I imagined that the toy dog could become a wolf, and when and it really took on sort of a magical belief. And then when my dad was taken away, he was taken to a transit camp first uh, as a POW, where we could say goodbye to him because. He was taken to a labor camp in Germany, and because he was a POW, there were some regulations with the Geneva Convention that we were allowed to say goodbye. So we okay. were, again, very blessed. Yes. But when we went, my mother and I, he was on the other side of a barbed wire fence. Uh. So I could see him, but I couldn't touch him. And I wanted to give him my toy dock. Oh. I was con- <laughs> yeah, I was convinced. Oh it would save his life. Sure. And and I was actually able to give it to a German guard and tell him and say, could you give this to my daddy? And he sort of said, oh, yeah. Oh. And I was a very, a, I guess, a determined little girl because yes. I said him, you know how little kids go in their outdoor voice? Yes. I said, it's very important. <laughs> <laughs> and he oh. actually bent down to me and he said, yes. And he did give it to me. (gasps) He did? uh, I mean, he did give it to my dad. Amazing. And, Janine, two years later, when my dad returned, um, I had been through all the trauma, and he had been through his own trauma. And there was such a gap between us. And I I couldn't feel any feelings when he came into our home until he took something out of his pocket. And it was the squashed... Oh. torn remains of the little
0: toy dog. Hendrika, Oh, come on. I have chills.
1: Oh, it's, you know, when I first started yeah. writing about it, I, I had to keep stopping because I kept bursting into, into tears. Yes. But it was like, and he said, I think this belongs to you. Oh. It, it, it's the wolf, and he saved yeah. my life. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Well, I am so touched by this story. Listen, unfortunately, we have to wrap up But I'd love to have you back on again because I think we have so much more we could talk about.
1: I would love to. I would love to share the story of the moon.
0: (laughs) Yes. So I'll figure something out. We'll have you back on. Most likely it'll be October. But um, just give a website where people can find out more about you.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Thank you so much. All right. Mm -hmm. Have a wonderful day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let me give the website. It's a Amsterdam dot com is where you can find out more about the book. We were speaking with Hendrika DeVries. You are listening to KUCI eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine.